Amen. It is an exciting Sunday morning here to be a part of Ridgepoint Church. Listen, I know we've talked about this, but, but next week's one of my favorite weeks. We kind of, uh, Thanksgiving's coming up obviously Thursday, and by Sunday morning, you're good on all the Thanksgiving leftovers. So we invite you to come out. We're going to picnic. We got hamburgers and hot dogs. Uh, bring a side dish or a dessert. But here's what I love about it is on Sunday mornings, it has a tendency for life to move so fast. We kind of nod heads at each other, say, hey, it's good seeing you. And, and we don't really get a chance to get to know each other a whole lot. So uh, once a year, the week after Thanksgiving, we do kind of an outdoor service. It'll be short service. But it's more a chance to hang out, eat food together, we'll play some football or some soccer, and just get to know some people that maybe we don't know so well because life is so fast and Sundays happen so quickly. So hopefully you join us next week. Like I said, short service, but more a chance for us to hang out and get to know our community a little bit better. Uh, I know in the last couple of years, I've seen people who said, I know they go to church, I see them every week, but I don't really get a chance to know them. This is a chance to be able to do that. Uh, but today we get to wrap up the series where we're talking about this idea of, of being grateful or having gratitude. And, and it really is something that we're cognizant of because it's Thanksgiving time when we realize uh, once November hits, people start to get on social media and they start to share posts about here's maybe 30 things I'm thankful for this November. I'm going to mention one thing every week. Or, or, and it tends to be a seasonal thing as we get to the this, this season, as we get towards Thanksgiving, towards the latter part of the year, we want to take stock of Here's the season that, I, that I'm in, and because of that, I want to be grateful. But what I've said is that you and I can both think of people who, it just seems like for them, gratitude isn't a season, it isn't a temporary thing, it isn't just because it's Thanksgiving, but literally their lives, their attitudes are marked by gratitude. And so really it is, how do I start to not just live this way because it's Thanksgiving, but how do I live this way when, when January rolls around and when February rolls around and when I start to get into March and April, I know that summer's coming. Uh, how do I continue to have this attitude of thanksgiving? Because the reality is throughout Scripture, we see the word thanksgiving being mentioned. And along with it is it's this attitude. It's the spirit that we have. It isn't something that just is seasonal. It's saying, man, we want to have gratitude in every facet of our life. And when we do that, we start to approach relationships differently. We start to approach the way that we talk to people, the way we approach people. Even our relationship with God starts to appear a little bit differently. So we've been throughout this series, we've been looking at what it means to, to kind of grow in our gratitude. And we said this, gratitude begins with an appreciation for things. What we mean by that is that the very beginning, uh, when we start to say we're grateful for things, we think about, well, this year, these things have happened in my life. This year, I got that promotion at work, or, or, or this year, my kid made really good grades, made maybe honor roll all year long, or whatever it is. We, we're thankful for things that happened or things that we received. And for a lot of us, that's where gratitude begins and ends. We think, as long as I'm grateful for those things that have happened, that I have a spirit of gratitude. But even as we get things, if we're not careful, all it leads to is, okay, I appreciate what I have, but now I want more. So he said gratitude only begins with an appreciation for things. Last week we said this, gratitude moves to an awareness of people. That once I have this gratitude about things, I realize that people are way, way, way more important. In fact, I would venture to guess if you have a custom uh, around Thanksgiving turkey, you're getting ready to eat, and you said, hey, what is one thing this year you're thankful for? 
Your kid might mention the new Nintendo Switch, but you're probably going to mention some sort of relationship. You're going to mention something that's valuable. Man, this year I'm glad I got to spend time doing this and being with this person. Because we start to realize that gratitude leaves us with an awareness of the people around us. But we said this last week, and this is really, really important for where this series starts to turn. We said that when we start to have real, true gratitude in our life, that we start to view everybody a little bit differently. That it isn't just an awareness of some key relationships in our life, but really the way that we approach people that we come in contact with. As Alan and Alicia shared their story in Honduras and about how being there started to change the way they viewed people here, I think there's something powerful about that, that as we start to really have this appreciation in our life, that we start to view people very differently. Instead of getting really frustrated at that person that cuts you off in traffic, Maybe, just maybe, we start to say, I want to have an understanding spirit about what exactly is going on in their life. Maybe not. Maybe we're dreaming. <laughs> that coworker that makes you really, really frustrated. It's so easy if we don't have the spirit of gratitude to, to say, man, because I'm all after myself and I'm after building up my kingdom, that if, if things don't go my way, then I'm going to be frustrated and I'm going to make you out to be the enemy and, and, and they're not the enemy. And so it views the way, it changes the way that we view people. We start to view them through the lens that Jesus viewed them through. And we start to realize that I'm not just going to, in fact, the, the whole book of James is devoted to, to, to this idea of, of having a, a faith like, like Jesus had and, and, and how our faith starts to work itself out. And, and, and it cautions us against showing favoritism based on things that we normally show favoritism based upon. It says, listen, we start to have the, the to view people through the lens that Jesus viewed them through. And if we do that, we start to have an awareness of people that are all around us, including those who maybe have a lot of needs that we can start to, to fill. Which leads us to what we're talking about today. The third thing that gratitude does is gratitude concludes with an awakening to the needs, especially the needs that are around me. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at just a, a few uh, verses, and then we're going to get into what we're talking about this morning. I'm really, really excited about what we're sharing. We're, we're launching into something brand new that you hear a lot about in 2020. And obviously, I have another chair up here, which I'll get to in a second. But let's look at the scripture first. It says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And then it says this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, is given to the poor, his righteousness endured forever, or endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." Now watch this verse 11, because this verse 11 is really what we want to cling to this morning. It says this, you will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So he concludes with this verse, or we conclude our reading today with this verse of saying, man, this is, this is what it's supposed to be about. You've been enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. In order that the production that happens will produce in us thanksgiving to God. 
We're going to get that, but I want to talk about this idea of what it means to, uh, to, to, to be generous, to be giving. He says, you look at that passage, especially beginning in verse 6, it lays out a couple of things that when we're talking about being aware and being awoken to the needs that are around us and how we can start to meet those needs, when we start to say, man, we want to be a part of doing something bigger than ourselves, we want to be a part of, of giving back to a community that's done so much for us, there's three things giving should be in our life. The first thing giving should be, it should be intentional. It says in verse 7, each one must give as he's decided in his heart. That the idea is that I start to see the need that is around me. And whether it's the need of coming together corporately as a church or whether it's the need when someone comes up to you at the gas station and says, hey, I need $5 for gas. It's saying, man, I want to produce in my life an intentionality about the way that I give that I'm not just showing up and giving accidentally. I want to have a plan, a strategy in my life to say, I believe that God has given me much, and because he's given me much, how can I start to give back? And so Paul here writing to the church in, in the city of, called Corinth is writing saying, I want you to be purposeful about the way that you give. So each one must give as he decides in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And then the second thing is we see giving should be cheerful. For God loves a cheerful giver. The word there, cheerful, is actually, the Bible, New Testament was originally written in Greek. And the word there is the Greek word, hilarion, from which we get hilarious. I've talked about this verse three or four times in my time here at Ridgepoint Church. And I said, literally, the picture is that when we give, we should be giving with hilarity. And every time I say this, I mention, I said, I've never seen anybody pass one of the buckets and people laugh as they gave. That doesn't happen, but literally it should be, man, this is, this is my delight. Not that I have to do these things, because he says, don't give under compulsion. I don't want you to give if you feel like you have to give. But I want you to give with hilarity. I want you to give and say, man, you know what? God's blessed me in a powerful way to be able to do this. So I get to do that. And there's something about the holiday season that we want to be a part of helping people out. That's why the bell ringers from the Salvation Army are out every Christmas. Because they know that deep inside of all of us, and the truth is, whether we're believers in Jesus or not, deep down inside of us are these, these ideas that I want to be a part of, of giving back. It just is that as we follow Jesus, Jesus came to establish a new kingdom whose currency was love, so we should want to do that even more. And so Paul writes and says, you should not give under compulsion, but instead give cheerfully, because God loves a cheerful giver. And the third thing he actually gets into is that giving should be rewarded. He mentioned this over and over. Now, that doesn't mean it's always rewarded the way that we want it to be rewarded. Malachi says the one thing when we give, it's the one way we can actually test God, that God's going to return that to us. But it doesn't mean he's necessarily going to return it to us financially, but that he's going to bless us because of the things that we do. And so Paul right here, here is writing saying, I want you to give. I want you to give with a plan that's in place. I want, to give, I want you to give intentionally. I want you to give cheerfully. And that, that giving one day is going to be rewarded. Because we believe this fully. Richness isn't defined by what we have, but by what we give. When we look at this, especially verse 11, where it says again, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Richness isn't defined by what we have but instead by what we give. So we've been asking this question. Since I am rich, 
what do I do with what I have? Now, again, if you aren't here first week, you might be sitting here saying, well, that's not me. I'm not rich. We defined that the first week. It's, it's, it's different. Um, but I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But since we've been given so much, since we have so much at our disposal, what do we do with what we have? Now, here's the thing that we've been talking about for a while, because there's something about this season, and we have, obviously, Thanksgiving outreach happening this week. A few of us were actually at a Habitat home yesterday. Uh, beginning our role in that process, we'll be doing that the next couple weeks as well. But there's something about the season that we start to ask that question more and more. The reality is, even though our budgets might be stretched a little bit and we don't have a lot of margin there, we've been given a lot. So individually, we ask this question, since we have much, what do we do with what we have? But then also, I think it's important for us to corporately together ask, since we have so much, what do we do with what we have? And one of the things I love is that as we wrestle with that question, because the reality is there are a lot of incredible ministries in our area. And one of the hardest things that we have to figure out as a staff is they're all good and they're all meaningful and they're all things that we want to be involved with. And they'll call and say, hey, don't you want to be a part of this? We have this fundraiser coming up and, and we want to do it all. We just can't do it all. So always one of the things that we ask is how do we know what to be involved in? And also, even more importantly, is how do we know what we're supposed to take on ourselves? I love it when we have people that are part of Ridgepoint Church that say, hey, I have a passion to do something. I feel like God's called me to do something, and they come up with ideas of how we can accomplish that. Uh, and so we're going to launch something next year that we'll introduce in just a little bit. But I've actually asked Nancy Lombardi to come and, and to join us and kind of share uh, kind of how we got to this point. So everybody please get up for Nancy. Nancy might be a little bit nervous up on stage. She'll try to, I, th I, think, I think you're good. I'm the only one that has a mic off. I think you're good. <laughs> uh, so, um, Nancy, I want you to begin with really a, a couple of months ago. Uh, we were outside at Family Connect, and you kind of brought something to, to our attention. that You're saying, hey, God's been doing something in my life about this. And so you brought up this idea. Tell us a little about what that was like. Um, this year I noticed more, this year I guess, than a long time that um, RPC had been reaching out to the congregation, to Facebook, to just different avenues when they had people in need around the community. And um, oftentimes it was people actually in our community, whether it be food, shelter, or clothing, the need was there. My family has always tried to help when a person was needed. Can you all hear me? Yeah. Okay, so, however, there was a weekend, it's been several months ago, that we were out of town, and, and J.J. put a request on Facebook that there was a dire need situation, and they needed help. We were out of town, so we couldn't help, but it got me to thinking, you know, it's too bad that we didn't have something in place that we could help year-round, such as a food bank or um, a fund set up that you know, if we had a situation like that, we would have it readily available. And um, so I, I started praying about it and worrying about it. And um, I kept on coming up with the same thing of all the many ways that I could help Ridgepoint get something started in this way. 
So it was um, the weekend of our the Family Connect, the family connect that I went up to JJ and Chris and kind of shared my passion with them. And um, that's kind of where it started. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now I want to know a little bit because you, you shared this with me at Family Connect. And, and right away I said, listen, and we'll get to what started to happen after that. But this was something that God was doing in your life for some time prior to this. It was just that moment. So what was God doing in your life prior to this? And why did you think this was a moment for us to at least start to wrestle with that? Um, yes, I've had a passion about um, giving and food banks a long time. Actually, when I was younger, um, I do remember honestly going to the refrigerator and there would be nothing in the refrigerator. And it wasn't like, oh, yeah, there was something that I just didn't want to eat. There was nothing there only for um, our church family to show up either that day or the next day to fill up our refrigerator and our cabinets. And I'll never forget that. My sister, I mean, it's real, and it happened. And um, our church family always was there to help us, and um, that just left something on my heart. However... um, Raising children and working full-time doesn't really allow you to um, take that kind of a project on. So I just, you know, I couldn't, like, go to a church and say, yeah, y'all need one, but you better get somebody else to do it because I can't do it, right? So um, I retired a couple years ago, and um, God has just continued to lay this on my heart, and this I feel like this is a really... Um, good time to get this started. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and the crazy thing was, was when Nancy first approached us about this, uh, this is something we've wrestled with in the past. And, and our philosophy, like a lot of churches' uh, philosophy, is that we want to be able to do what we do really well. And, and what we do as a church is, is studying the Bible and talking about life change and all that. And there are some incredible organizations within our community that, that tackle the issue of, of hunger and the issue of homelessness and all these things that are are real prominent needs. And so in the past, even a few years ago, our answer to this would have been, listen, there's some great organizations that are very close to here that we just want to support what they're already doing. And the past would have been easy to say, that's just, that's just how we kind of respond. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to support them on a monthly basis. We can send volunteers there, but they do these things really well. But immediately before Nancy came to talk to us, uh, if you're not aware, we've talked about this in the past, but uh, I think it's a couple of years ago, a study came out that showed that the Lakeland Winter Haven area is the number two position in, in our country of having the highest rate of food insecurity in the world, meaning people don't know where their next meal is coming from. And for a couple of weeks leading to Nancy talking to us, we had been fielding phone call after phone call in the office of people that were coming basically with two biggest needs being uh, the need of our power is about to get cut off. We don't have money for our electric bill. And the second thing, if you're not aware, especially along US 17, there's a bunch of smaller uh, motels that are, that are, and hotels along there that people live there uh, pretty much full time because they can't save up uh, the finances to be able to provide first and last set in an apartment. And so there are these families that live in these hotels year round, spending as much as $1,500 a month living in hotels. And, and we have phone calls from time to time for people that are saying, hey, I don't have money for a stay for tonight. Can you get us a hotel for tonight? So we're not out on the streets. 
Uh, it's happened periodically through the years, but for the couple of weeks leading up to Nancy talking to us, it was happening on a routine basis. So we started getting phone calls, phone calls, and Nancy comes and says, hey, what do you think about us starting something like this? And I said, well, we don't get a lot of phone calls about food. We get some, but more we have these phone calls about these two other things that happen on a more frequent basis, especially here lately. So I felt like God was starting to prepare us for a church, as a church to say, how do we respond if it isn't just saying, go be part of something else? Because what we're discovering is there's a lot of people in Janfield Village. There's a lot of people in Inwood. They don't even have transportation to get to uh, Lakeland or get to other parts of Winter Haven to get the assistance they need. Uh, so, I, so I said, here's, here's the response we're going to have right now is, Nancy, go ahead and put together a leadership team and, and start to pray about what our response to that is. Now, Nancy, we started to, to talk about that. And I want to talk to you, uh, you, share a little bit about right after we have the discussion, I commission you to say, hey, go start to develop a team. What happened about the need in the next couple of weeks? It was funny. I, I was reaching out <clears throat> and trying to find some people. But before I could get anybody, JJ started calling me and saying that, oh, my gosh, we have we have a need for this, we have a need for that. And it was just like several things in a very short time mm-hmm. before I could even get our little team together. So that just kind of solidified that, you know, God is is really in charge of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like everything, every step that I've taken on getting this ready has just fallen into place. You know, God's just showed up. I, can I tell my little story about... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, no, it was really... All she had to do is start leading the story. What was I going to do, stop her? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's kind of funny. I So, you know, he was talking about the electric bills and stuff like that. Well, I was, I was trying to figure out a way that we could, like, have an application or something, you know, that we could do that would be very specific each time. And so I had this bright idea to go to the, um, try to find an application similar. And I had, it was on a Monday. I'd been to the gym. I was just dressed in gym clothes. My hair was pulled back. I stopped by Alpi, and that is the agricultural department that does the, um, it's the energy and agriculture department. And I went in there just to get an application so, so I could, you know, mimic that application, and the director of the whole program brought me in, sat me down, and explained the entire program to me, and actually, we're going to be having an energy fair here right. as a result of that, but here I was, I was just like not planning for this at all, had no idea that the director, she's over seven counties, uh-huh. And she took an hour to go over the program with me, explain it, and it was like, wow. You know, that was totally, honestly, it was just totally a God thing. I just had no idea that was going to happen. And that was another thing that let me know that, you know, this is what we should be doing. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And really taking the scripture that we've been looking at and the idea that our our giving should be intentional. In the past, we didn't really have the the freedom to be very intentional about it. it was as we got phone calls, as we'd field phone calls, we'd help out when we can, but there wasn't necessarily a system in place. One of the cool things, especially with Alpi, when you had that conversation, she said, there are so many resources available, especially for electricity, that it shouldn't be on churches to have to provide those things because those resources are available for people to have at a really short notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the um, 
things that we were kind of worried about as far as getting in touch with them. That's why I didn't really go there to talk to them because we weren't there yet. But um, she said that if you have a, uh, a bill that's going to be cut off, they will take care of it that day. I mean, what they do is they wait until the day before it's going to be cut off. And I know that's a little bit unnerving, but, but as long as you meet the requirements, they'll pay it. And, um, you know, it's, it's immediate. They don't make you wait. And a lot of us had the idea that, you know, they're going to help, but, you know, the electricity will be cut off and, and we'll be sitting in the dark for two weeks. That's not true. If you've got a cutoff bill and your electricity is going to be cut off, they will take care of it. And they, they just encourage us so much to get that message out that they've got the funds for it and that our churches should not be using our money for that. So. Mm-hmm. So talk about some of the other things also, because that's a really big deal. But talk about some other things that the leadership team is starting to work on that we'll see in the beginning of next year. Well, when I got my team together, and, and it, it's just, a, you know, we need lots of people, but um, we had to start somewhere. So first thing we have had to decide was where we're going to do this at. And so we decided to do it in the children's room, um, in the kitchen area. And um, the kitchen area is currently being used for storage for the um, the younger children, but we're gonna we're gonna actually share that space. So we went in and we've cleaned it out, and we're going to um, make that our area for our food pantry. There, right now, there's already some shelves back there with food back there, and um, that's that's one of the big things we've done. And, and another thing is. Um, going out to the community, trying to get assistance from the community. I know we've been visiting a lot of um, other food banks and looking to see what they're doing. And I've contacted um, places so that we can get food. But right now we don't have a lot of food. We are in need of food, but um, we're working on that. So I want to talk real quick because you mentioned a leadership team. Obviously, it just was in the formative stages. You're still going to need help in that area. Lots of help. Uh, so if, if you're interested in saying, hey, I want to be a part of helping, uh, whether it's in a leadership capacity of helping lead something like this, or kind of the vision right now is that we'd have a monthly food bank. Uh, so if you want to help out even in serving in that, uh, by all means, that'd be a chance for you to do that. By the way, I haven't even announced this part of it, but we're actually, uh, we're calling this kind of wing of what we do. We, we serve in a lot of different areas through Habitat for Humanity locally, through Auburn High School locally. Uh, obviously internationally with Honduras, but this is going to be our fourth wing. We're calling it RPC Helps. And the idea of RPC Helps is providing the, the assistance when it comes to food, when it comes to electricity, when it comes to uh, housing. So that's the, the kind of logo up there, and it's what we're trying to accomplish is to help out in those specific areas. Uh, so also if you know people that have needs in those areas, last week, and this is how this happens on a regular basis, but last week literally as soon as church let out, uh, someone showed up at, at the church door saying, hey, is there any way I can get some, some food? We just need some food for our family. Like this happens on a regular basis. And this is a chance for us to have an organized approach to how we do this uh, mm-hmm. to be able to help provide for that need. And we also had just last week two other needs that weren't food, but they were true needs, you know, that once we have, we get everything together, we can, uh, we took care of the needs. Um, but once we get everything together, we can, um, take care of it on a 
an easier you know, way, a more right. um, documented way. But we've just had need after need after need, and um, the need is out there. Absolutely. So number one, if you want to help be a part of whether it's leadership or help serving in some capacity, by all means, come talk to Nancy. She'd love to have your support. But Nancy, you also have a unique challenge for us this Christmas season that you want us to be a part of. Do you want, you want us to bring the box? David, can you, or one of you guys can bring the box up here. So tell us about what's so special about this box right here. Well, this box. Sorry, I put it up too tall. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> I'll bring it down. Okay. So actually, that's not it. Some of you may have seen this on um, Facebook, the reverse advent calendar. Um, actually, uh, Sally shared this with me, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a great idea. Um, what it is is every day in the month of December, if you put one of these items in this box, and I'm just going to read some of them to you real quickly, peanut butter, jelly, spaghetti sauce, canned tuna, rice, on and on and on. There's 24 days that you would put the item in this box, and then you would bring the box back to the church at the end of December that we can put in our food pantry. If we could get at least 10 families to do that, that would be 10, maybe 15 different um, boxes of food that we could share with other people. So Absolutely. That's, Somebody, that's uh, what I'm going to do is yeah. I'm going to just wrap a box up, put something in, and bring it on Christmas Eve or sometime during the Christmas holiday, Absolutely. end of the Christmas holiday. Okay. Thank so you. I have a, a flyer that tells what you can bring. I'll have it in the back if you're interested. All right. Sounds good. Uh, if you have any questions about any of this, appreciate it there, David. Um, you know, Nancy's going to be here hanging out afterwards. Uh, I love this approach because it gives us a chance to say, how can we as a church respond and give back when there's so much need that's right here? Uh, so again, we're just in the formative stages. We're trying to figure this out. I'd assume the food pantry are probably targeting beginning of spring next year uh, for us to be ready for that to go. We have a lot of work. We have some construction needs that uh, we have to take care of before we get there. Um, what my goal is is to do it on the last Monday of the month, once a month, on a Monday, usually the end of the month, um, those that are in need usually run out of food stamps or or money by the end of the month, so I thought that would be a good time to have the, the yeah. food pantry. But we have a lot of work that needs to be done in the kitchen, so if we got any handyman, it sure would be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you have any questions, uh, please come see Nancy, and she'd love to answer some of those questions. Uh, would you please give it up for Nancy for joining us this morning? So as we get ready to conclude this series, whether it's being involved in uh, something like RPC Helps or whether it just is the way that we uh, approach our relationship with other people. Because we can talk a, a lot and we do talk a lot about physical needs. We talk about things like building homes and providing electricity and providing food. All of those things are really, really valuable. But I want us to understand what separates us as followers of Jesus is that whether people have physical needs or not, Every single one of us has a spiritual need. And that ultimately that everything that we do as a church and ultimately everything that we do as individuals should be to point everyone uh, not just to fulfilling a, a physical need. Jesus did that. Jesus fulfilled physical needs. But every time he filled a physical need, it was to point to that which was spiritual. 
And so we want to make sure that everything that we do as a church uh, hovers around that idea. We want to be able to provide food or, or, or even shelter. We want to be able to provide electricity. But in doing that, to point to the one who is the true source of life. When we become more aware of people, when we have this true gratitude in our life, it begins with the gratitude of our relationship with God. What Chris mentioned earlier in his prayer was, man, God, we thank you for rescuing us from where we used to be, from where we used to be and who we used to be. We thank you for redeeming us, for changing us. And God, that gratitude leads me to view people differently and to be more aware of the need that's around me. If we do that, it becomes not just a seasonal thing that we do around Thanksgiving, but it starts to change and develop really who we are in our heart, that we can have a true attitude of gratitude. Let's pray together. God, we began this morning, I began the, the message portion of this morning, thanking you for your grace and your mercy. God, you've given us so much more than we deserve. And God, we gather together on a weekly basis to sing songs of gratitude. But God, I pray that every day, not just on Sundays, but that on every day, that we have an attitude of gratitude. God, that we desire to, to, to appreciate all that you've done, to be more aware of the people around us, and have this awakening to the needs that are before us. The physical needs, the emotional needs, the relational needs, and the spiritual needs. God, teach us to be more conformed to the image of who Jesus is. Help us to, to minister like he ministered and to love like he loved. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.